In August of 2013, Keller and Heckman launched a webinar, the OSHA 3030, to provide the OSHA 3030 community, friends and clients of Keller and Heckman, with updates on developmental issues in the field of occupational safety and health law in 30 minutes every 30 days. And we've been doing that program every 30 days for now 10 years. This is the August 2023 episode and the 10th anniversary episode of the OSHA 3030. We have a special guest today to celebrate the 10th anniversary episode with us. I'm Manish Rath and welcome to the OSHA 3030. Welcome, everyone. I'm Manish Rath. I'm a partner at the law firm Keller and Heckman here in Washington, D.C. And I'm an attorney who's been focused on the field of occupational safety and health law for the entirety of my about 28 years of practice, representing management side only. And I'm joined today by my good friend and colleague, Taylor Johnson. Taylor, welcome to the OSHA 3030. Thanks for having me as always, Manish. Well, 10 years. Long time. And yet seems like such a short time, seems like just yesterday. But today we have a special episode. As I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, we're joined by a special guest, Representative Kevin Kiley. Representative Kevin Kiley is a member of the United States House of Representatives. He's a congressman representing uh, the 3rd District of California, a Republican and a freshman to Congress. And he is now the chair of the Workforce Protections Subcommittee. That's right, Manish. And Representative Kylie, uh, he holds a bachelor's degree from Harvard and a master's in secondary education uh, from Loyola Marymount. Um, and he also graduated uh, from Yale Law School. You would think with such uh, impressive credentials that the doors of lucrative private enterprises would be flung open. But Representative Kylie, uh, responding to the echoes of calls for public service, has dedicated his life to public service, first working as a prosecutor for the state of California, and then as a uh, member of the General Assembly, the state General Assembly for the state of California. That's right. And because of that work uh, at the California State Assembly, uh, he was named National Legislator of the Year uh, by the Association of Independent Workers. And he's proudly now serves on the House Judiciary Committee, as well as three subcommittees, uh, most notably uh, the chair of the Subcommittee on Workforce Protections. And it's that chairmanship of the Workforce Protection Subcommittee that uh, is why we're here today. In between, I should add one more thing, in between uh, earning his master's degree, which was in secondary education, and going on to law school, he had a career as a 10th grade English teacher at a public school in Los Angeles. Uh, so again, echoing this lifetime of public service, yeah. which is impressive. So now he's a freshman member of the U.S. House of Representatives, representing the 3rd District of California, and serving as chair of the Workforce Protection Subcommittee. This is an important committee for members of the OSHA 3030 community. Let's start by explaining how this uh, fits in. The U.S. House of Representatives has many committees, and the House Committee on Education and Workforce is a very important committee that oversees issues involving education, job training, uh, retirement security is one of its uh, portfolio issues, and amongst them is also workforce protections, which is served through its subcommittee, the Workforce Protections Subcommittee. Its current chair, as I said, is Representative Kevin Kiley, Republican from California's 3rd District. And the Workforce Protections Subcommittee has oversight over issues like 
well, of course, most important to us today, workplace safety and health, but also wage hour law, workers' compensation, uh, workplace-related immigration issues, and other issues related to equal employment opportunity and civil rights matters affecting the workplace or employment law. So, and a very important portfolio for the Workforce Protection Subcommittee. And so we're very grateful to have Chair and Representative Kevin Kiley. Representative Kiley, thank you very much for joining us on the OSHA 3030. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Representative Kiley, tell us, uh, first, let's uh, get one thing out of the way. How should we address you? Representative Kiley, Mr. Kiley? Uh, you know, Kevin's fine for uh, <laughs> for our purposes here. Okay. Thank you. So, Kevin, tell us your uh, connection to the field of workplace safety and health. How, how is it that you uh, find this subject matter important such that you have become chair of the Workforce Protections Committee, subcommittee? Uh, sure. You know, I spent six years in the California State Assembly prior to being elected to uh, Congress. And so this is my first year in uh, in the U.S. Congress and uh, was very honored to have the opportunity to immediately, uh, you know, take position of chair of the subcommittee on workforce protections. And, uh, you know, in California, I uh, saw firsthand how uh, regulations that did not fully account for the need to balance uh, protections for workers with, uh, you know, uh, the need to have viable enterprises in, uh, in our state and the challenges that small businesses face led to situations that were bad for both employers and workers. Indeed, in California, we have, I believe, currently the second highest unemployment uh, in the entire country. We have the, the most stagnant uh, wage growth. We have very high levels of of inequality, we have businesses leaving the state left and right, and uh, you know a lot of it is because of the way the workplace has been regulated, or really overregulated or misregulated. I should probably say. So, for example, uh, California originated the law known as AB5, which limits the ability of independent contractors to work in our state. It essentially abolishes, or at least severely limits, uh, independent contracting across hundreds of professions, which has put many, many people out of work, has been crippling for small businesses. And so as the chair of workforce protections, you know, I view protections in a very broad sense of the word, uh, in, in terms of your ability to practice your profession as you choose under the situation, under the circumstances that you choose, the ability of employers and employees to come to, you know, relationships that work best for them, the freedom uh, to, you know, be able to practice your calling, which is really fundamental to what, you know, the American dream is all about. And then at the same time, assuring that we have the rights of workers and in the workplace respected, but that things like health and safety don't become uh, a pretext for other political objectives, which, you know, at the end of the day, then is bad for workers, is bad for employers, and actually distracts attention away from proper health and safety measures. That makes sense. So if I understood you, workplace safety and health is extremely important for employers and employees, but to use that as a opportunity to expand government encroachment through overregulation uh, really takes away from the success story of the American business environment and and small businesses in particular struggle to understand the complexity of the regulatory schemes that states and the federal system are imposing upon them. Do I get that right? 
That's exactly right. I mean, small businesses in particular in California and across the country, but California is sort of what uh, the current administration is modeling a lot of its workplace and economic policies on. Small businesses really, really struggle with excessive and uh, kind of, you know, unnecessary regulations just because they don't have the resources, the economy of scale, the internal compliance departments to be able to deal with this. And so it's why it's, uh, you know, small businesses are really getting killed in a lot of places in California is because of these regulations. I, I've dedicated my living to trying to understand the complex regulatory schema that employers have to operate under. And I always am in awe of the small American business that struggles to master this. I think the small American business is the great American story. It's the hero of the American economy. So I share your view on that. Taylor, it's a, it's a great connection to, and gives confidence for, for the future of, of Representative Kiley's role as chair. Absolutely. I get something we discuss on this program all the time, you know, the feasibility of some of these, you know, regulations that we see for the folks, you know, actually on the ground. Kevin, you, you know, you've been chair, you're chair now of the subcommittee on workforce protections. You mentioned that. I just wanted to just see if you could touch briefly on sort of the, the process for that, you know, fairly, you know, new into your tenure, you know, in terms of being a representative and just sort of the selection process and then some of the maybe, you know, powers or roles that you have. Um, I think it'd be really good insight for, for the, our uh, community. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. So, you know, uh, Chair Virginia Fox, who's, of course, the chair of the, uh, of the Education and the Workforce Committee, uh, kind of approached me soon after I was uh, elected about joining that committee. And really, her initial angle was that I was a former high school teacher and was also uh, vice chair of the Education Committee in California. And so I was sort of a natural fit for that part of the committee, but uh, she didn't know at first, uh, which of course I told her that I'd actually been very actively involved in these issues in the legislature, leading the fight against AB5, for example. And so it ended up being really a perfect committee to be on. And given that experience, she I was very honored when she decided I'd be a good fit to chair the Workforce Protection Subcommittee. So the first hearing we held was all about this independent contracting issue. We brought in folks from California who talked about how damaging it has been for workers and for uh, for businesses and our overall economy in California. And, uh, you know, our latest hearing was looking at the wage and hour division's latest uh, slew of of regulations and how impractical they are for a lot of especially small businesses and indeed how they have really short-circuited or entirely neglected the requisite economic analysis that the law requires. And so the committee, you know, the subcommittee is a very important site for congressional oversight you know, in, in bringing in the folks who are effectively making policy when they issue these regulations at the agency level and, uh, you know, bringing in perspectives from employers and from small businesses and from workers on the practical effect of these policies. So, I mean, we looked at, for example, this, uh, this new tipping regulation that they're trying to implement that is just completely impractical. It's going to make, uh, you know, the owner of a small restaurant go around and track minute by minute what a, a waiter is doing to, you know, what what minute are they actually bringing food to the table versus doing something else? And that, uh, you know, has to be tracked as tip versus non-tipped work. I mean, it, it's just done without any conception of how this is actually going to play out in the real world. And so we're really trying to bring that real world perspective. Yeah, that's a valuable service. So when we talk about oversight by the subcommittee, over agencies. Let's just talk about OSHA. Since this is the OSHA 3030, what power does the subcommittee have in the age under the aegis of oversight? 
Well, we have a lot of powers and, you know, we will be doing uh, and have been and will continue to do oversight of OSHA. But, uh, you know, in terms of the powers that we bring to the process, you know, we have the ability to subpoena documents and to demand them of the agency. And hopefully, usually, we hope it doesn't have to get to the point of a subpoena. Uh, we can bring in the administration officials and ask them questions about what's going on. We can uh, look to, you know, whether they are in compliance with the law and then demand uh, a course correction when we get evidence that they are not. So uh, those are all, you know, very uh, powerful tools for bringing accountability. I mean, in fact, the whole committee brought in Julie Sue herself for an oversight hearing. And, uh, you know, I frankly, I think that that hearing and her performance at it went a long way towards stalling that nomination. But in a similar vein, you know, we have followed up on a number of things from that particular hearing based on what she said, based on way we feel like she's not complying uh, with the law. And so that's exactly the sort of thing that we're doing when it comes to regulations by OSHA or by the Wage and Hour Division. And there's a reserved power from the subcommittee as well that underlies all of these activities that you just described, and that is the power to propose legislation. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration is a creature of a congressional act, the Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970. And on occasion, Congress has come back and enacted new legislation that has revised the powers of the agency and always has that ability to do so again. And those new legislative initiatives can be proposed by the Workforce Protections Subcommittee. Is that correct? That's correct. Absolutely. And not only that, in terms of coming up with you know a new bill, which of course has to travel through the entire legislative process. And uh, you know even if it passes the House, it has to go through the Senate, has to be signed by the president. We also have the ability to use the appropriations process to try to, um, you know, affect policy changes there. So uh, to give you one example, we've actually added language to the relevant appropriations bill that no funds shall be used to enforce a new independent contractor rule, uh, which they're trying to come up with to basically nationalize AB5 from California. So we can use levers like that to really fight back against harmful regulations that are coming from the agencies non-funding legislation, I think I'd refer to it as. Is that about right? That's right. So so that's interesting. I noticed that you've made statements uh, in the past, particularly during your campaign, that one of the things that concerns you the most is waste in federal government. Is that an issue that, it, that the Occupational Safety and Health Administration is capable of being examined for examining? Is it possible for the, is there an opportunity for the subcommittee to examine any possibility of waste by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration? Uh, yes, absolutely. We want to look up and down every department and agency for areas where we can save taxpayer funds, or you know, sometimes it's worse than waste. It's funds that are being used for an outright damaging purpose, right? It's like a negative sum game, not just uh, you know, money that's 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 vanishing. So we certainly would love to get any input uh, as far as areas where that agency can be made to work more efficiently or in a more uh, you know uh, productive way. I'd be happy to stop by your office and offer a, a list of of some great ideas. I think. Let me All ask right. you before we do. One question would be whether or not you'd believe that if if Congress has given a mandate to the agency, in this case OSHA, in the initial enabling act and OSHA engages in regulatory activity that's outside of its congressional mandate, would that or would that not be an example of agency waste? It's pursuing activities that are not within its mandate. Congress didn't expect it to engage in. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'd call that waste. And it's, I mean, it's worse than waste. It's, uh, it's unlawful. That's really, I mean, the core of oversight is assuring that the agencies are acting within the scope of their uh, authorization from Congress. And when they exceed that authorization, then, you know, they have become something that is not envisioned in our form of government. That is to say, a uh, kind of a fourth branch, a, a policymaking body untethered from any authority from, from duly elected officials. And so that is absolutely really the number one thing in any oversight uh, exercise is looking at the extent to which the agency is fulfilling the mandate provided by Congress. And you're absolutely right that agencies like this one, especially in the, under the current leadership, have a habit of relentlessly pushing the boundaries of what they're authorized to do. And you say this is the core function of oversight. And just to say it in a different way, uh, this is the Article Two constitutional duty that Congress was charged with. That's right. The separation of powers to right. provide oversight over the executive branch on matters, I think, specifically just like this. Yes, that's a great point, which is that oversight, some people like to think, oh, well, this is just a matter of, you know, of partisanship or uh, creating conflict for its own sake. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is a matter of, of constitutional responsibility. The Constitution confers upon Congress this power of oversight, of holding the executive branch accountable. And, uh, you know, we would be derelict if we did not engage in that work. And it's more important than ever, as you allude to, given this sort of inexorable growth of the administrative state and its, uh, you know, ever increasing reach into all facets of American life and business. Great point. Couldn't agree more. So Kevin, I'm going to give you the impossible task of trying to predict the future here for us. Um, but what uh, what issues do you think the subcommittee is going to address when you when you get back to Washington? You know, are there a couple you know workplace safety related issues that you know you think are going to be on the agenda or that you'd like to see the subcommittee tackle? Yeah, we have a number of uh, you know issues that have come up in in our discussions with stakeholders. Certainly, um, you know uh, there have been some proposals related to the ability to bring in folks that ostensibly for purposes of, of inspection, but instead, uh, you know, the, the, the reality seems to be something very different. So we're still in the process of, of getting feedback and uh, looking at what are the areas that are going to be most important to focus on. Um, certainly the issues that we've been discussing so far, the independent contractor issue, the illegal Julie Sue scheme uh, to keep her on as an unconfirmed uh, secretary are continuing to be at the top of the list. Um, I think that some of the hangover from uh, from COVID regulations, where they're trying now to sort of re-institute COVID emergency regulations, which is pretty crazy, given where we are now, uh, is something that I'm very concerned about. I'm also interested in looking retrospectively at the ways in which, uh, you know, so-called emergency powers were used and abused to uh, create, you know, impractical and uh, counterproductive conditions. Uh, in American workplaces, that's something that uh, that I'm interested in looking at. So, you know, uh, we're I want to try to focus our subcommittee's resources on where they can be most effective in trying to bring about policy changes or to stop bad policy changes in order to, you know, get the economy moving in the right direction, which is something that is, you know, very very important given what we've been through in recent years. And the hearing schedule for the subcommittee is one of the vehicles by which you intend to to tackle these issues. That's right. How do you identify the number of hearings that the subcommittee is capable or is practical for the subcommittee to conduct in a 
in a given term, for example? Why not more or why, why not fewer? How does it arrive at the number of hearings that it, it does traditionally? You know, there's no sort of set number or mathematical uh, precision to it. Um, it's more a matter of, okay, what are the really big issues and how do we, you know, uh, address them in a way that will be maximally effective, that isn't going to sort of dilute the power uh, of the subcommittee by constantly convening, and that will align with the overall, you know, goals uh, of the of the entire committee in in such a way as to, uh, you know, be as um, forward looking as we possibly can. So, you know, that's something that I'm, uh, I work with Chair Fox on uh, constantly, well as uh, the great staff we have on the Education and Workforce Committee. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the framework that frame through which we uh, will get it moving forward for the rest of the year. And for the benefit of the uh, members of the OSHA 3030 community, that changes when the majority minority shifts from one party to the other. And so, so now that it's a Republican majority at the subcommittee, there's a Republican serving as chair, and that is how the agenda gets set. Is that correct? Or is there a bipartisan Absolutely. dialogue on that subject? Uh, no, I mean, when you have a change in the majority, uh, then you have a new chair, and it's really the chair who, who sets the agenda for the committee. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, done in, uh, in concert with, uh, with, with the members. But, you know, if they, you know, you could always, uh, I suppose, challenge something that the chair wants to do. But we have uh, on our side, folks who are very supportive of what Chair Fox is doing. And so that enables her and the committee staff to really work to advance uh, the vision we have for the committee. Now, that being said, I'm always interested in working on a bipartisan basis where possible. And so when there are folks who I think on the other side who could be supportive of something that we're doing, I'm always looking to build those bridges. And there's been a number of years where the agenda was set by your predecessor. And so so fairness uh, works its way out over a period of time when, when the majority switches hands. And now I think the, a lot of the issues that you've discussed with us on the show are, have been have been uh, forced to lie dormant for a number of years under the predecessor uh, formation of the committee. Well, I, I, sadly, I think that is true, and it's it's also true that I just think in the last Congress, oversight wasn't a priority, and uh, you know, frankly, I think that was done because of uh, you know an unwillingness to really hold this president and his administration to account, which I think is unfortunate. I don't think that that accountability function. Uh, should depend on whether the president is or is not of your party. And so I think that, you know, there's almost this backlog <laughs> that's been there of oversight that needs to be done, and which is why I think our committee has, you know, been moving at a pretty rapid pace this year. Representative Kylie, we know you're really busy. Can you tell us where you're at right now? I know we're in recess and you're not with us here in Washington, D.C. Where are you at right now? I'm in my district. So uh, at the moment, I'm in Rockland, California, although my district is really big. It runs through 10 counties in California, covers hundreds of miles, includes Tahoe as well as Death Valley. So uh, I'm getting this uh, month where we're not in session in D.C. Uh, to be as present and active in my communities as possible, including certainly speaking with employers and small businesses about the issues that they're facing. I think that's great. Uh, and I'm glad, I'm grateful that you're taking time to speak with the employer community. It's such an important part of the whole question that we have dedicated our lives to in the field of occupational safety and health. So thank you for that. It's a long, large jurisdiction that you're, you're responsible for, but a beautiful jurisdiction as well, going all the way as far north as almost Sacramento. Is that right? 
north of Sacramento, actually, yes. and Plumas County is the northernmost point, but I live in the greater Sacramento area in Rockland. And Kevin, you're a native of the third district. Am I wrong? That's right. Yeah, that's where I grew up. Absolutely. And, and a product of the public school system there in your mm -hmm. own community you grew up in, which I think is another a terrific sort of background story to, to the success that you've achieved ever since. Last question for you, Kevin, and then we'll let you go back to your busy schedule. When you were first confirmed as the chair of the Workforce Protection Subcommittee, and you told folks back at home that you were chair of the Workforce Protection Subcommittee, what did they understand that role to mean? What did they understand workforce protections to be about? Well, I think that people were excited because I think they see it as encompassing the, the role that uh, our government has in interfacing with, uh, with businesses, which is incredibly broad, as you mentioned area, an incredibly important role of government, and one that has been not uh, executed as well as it should, certainly in California. But, you know, my constituents saw in the assembly how I was very focused on these issues, for example, with AB5. And so I think that generally they see it as a natural uh, outgrowth of that. But then also, you know, folks are learning just uh, how much responsibility the subcommittee has and how many different issues there are for us to tackle. And so I think it's actually been a great opportunity uh, that I've had. I really appreciated the discussions I've had with many stakeholders. And I'd certainly encourage folks who are listening to be in touch with my office if you see an area that is, uh, you know, uh, deserving of our uh, subcommittee's attention. Well, we certainly look forward to staying in touch with you on that subject and, and continuing that dialogue. Representative Kylie, thank you very much for appearing on the OSHA 3030 with Keller and Hackman. We're very grateful for your time, and we hope that that uh, is an opportunity to continue the dialogue as we go forward. And we are confident and excited about a great term as chair of the Workforce Protection Subcommittee. We'll, we'll enjoy watching your work. Well, thank you very much. This has been uh, this has been great. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you, Representative Kylie, for joining us today. That's it for today's OSHA 3030. You can find all of our past episodes for the past 10 years on our library, khlaw.com slash OSHA3030. Many of those topics are still as informative and as educational as they were when they were first recorded. So check them out. Taylor, as you know, we're now a podcast, have been for many, many years. Uh, I'd invite everyone in the OSHA3030 community to subscribe to the podcast so it automatically gets downloaded. This episode will appear as a podcast episode within the next day or so. Uh, through any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Taylor Johnson uh, has a LinkedIn account. So does the firm's workplace safety and health uh, page on LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn account. Make sure you send us a connection so that we can stay in touch in between episodes. You should also know that our next episode will be on September 20th, 1 p.m. Eastern. And we'll hopefully we'll have another great topic for, for that episode. When you get the invitation, don't forget, all we ask from friends and clients of the uh, OSHA 3030 community is to forward that invitation on to at least three others, in-house counsel, safety and health professionals, those who will find the material we cover relevant to their workplaces. Our sister programs, the TOSCA 3030 and REACH 3030, have episodes coming up over the next couple of months. The TOSCA 3030 on September 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern and the REACH 3030 on October 11th. So if your company is engaged in activities that are covered under those regulatory schema please be sure to subscribe to those programs as well. Well, thank you, Taylor Johnson. On behalf of Taylor and myself and all of us here at Keller Heckman and the team here at Keller Heckman who did a great job putting on another program, I'm thankful to all of you in the OSHA 3030 community for participating and for making the program successful for 10 straight years. We hope that you continue to forward on 
the invitations to others so that we can hopefully all enjoy time together for another 10 years. And until next month's episode, stay safe. Thank you.